So, hey guys, and welcome back to the All Things United podcast. <laughs> yeah, just so you guys know, this is a regular podcast. I know I haven't been on for the past couple weeks. I think it's been about two weeks, so I missed the uh, Spurs review, and I also missed the uh, Chelsea review. Now, <laughs> of course, this isn't just me hiding away from the fact that, you know, we lost to Chelsea 1-0, and... Also, you know the Spurs' performance. We got the we, we got the win, but uh, it wasn't the best performance. I've just been really uh, consumed with work at the moment, and just really haven't found the time at all to really uh, discuss United and just fully uh, dive into what they've been doing. But yeah, over these uh, past couple of weeks, I've I really had time to analyze sort of where United's going, and I think this last game against Newcastle is kind of that that peak um, where I'm the most looking forward to how United are playing because of the fact that so many players came back in this game and we also just looked really dominant in this game. So yeah, I, I feel like first of all, I should give you my thoughts on the uh, Spurs game and also the Chelsea game. These were two massive games. Uh, yeah, in terms of our season and in terms of how the league's looking, uh, the there, there were two massive games, undeniably, and going into both of them, I was fully expecting uh, United to somehow get a victory. Spurs, obviously a young team, uh, looking very good with the likes of Deli Ali and uh, Harry Kane and Heung Son and uh, Derek I- Eric Dyer at uh, center back. So yeah, I think going into that Spurs game, I was very confident, and I think the reason why I was so confident was because uh, Harry Kane was actually out. Uh, for this game because of a, I think it was a hamstring tear. So yeah, definitely not having him uh, play was definitely a plus. Um, yeah, and we saw Spurs come out and they played a sort of, I think it was a four four two. Um, with like the two wing backs, obviously. I think they played Aurier right back and then uh, Ben Davies at left back. Sorry guys, I'm going purely off memory right now. Um, but the funniest thing was, uh, they were actually playing. They weren't playing uh, Lorente, who they bought from Swansea uh, in the on the transfer deadline day. They weren't actually playing him up front, and I fully expected them to do that because, um, you know, Deli Ali, as much as he's like an attacking presence, he isn't an out and out striker. So I think um, definitely going into this and seeing that they're playing Human Sung, who's a winger, and then Deli Ali up front, I think that definitely is a bit weird. And I thought. Um, for the likes of Bai and Jones, I, I thought for sure they didn't really have to um, to worry about um, the likes of a Kane, you know, and those sort of natural forward runs that you would see from a natural out-and-out striker. So, yeah, definitely, as I'm saying, uh, going into it very confident. Um, United were playing at home. They started the game off very brightly, creating a lot of chances. I remember distinctively... Um, Lukaku played a through ball to Rashford, but however, the ball was just behind Rashford and the defender managed to make up ground and tackle him, which squandered that chance, really. Um, And for the most part, this game, from what I can remember of it, um, it was a very even game. And there really wasn't one team that was really overly dominant to the other. Uh, fairly back and forth, even with the lack of uh, Kane playing up front for Spurs, they still gave us a good run for their money, uh, showing us just how talented the Spurs team is. I think something that I was amazed with watching that game was 
um, the actual passing ability and the connectivity of of a team like Spurs, the fact that um, they were always linking passes together and always found an open man. And the, the space in this game was remarkable as well. Like a lot of our um, center backs and left back and right, Valencia and Young, a lot of them were, were stepping off um, we're stepping off a lot of the Spurs players, giving them space, you know, because um, with someone like Erickson in the middle, you don't want to necessarily overcommit um, in fear of getting exposed. So I think that was very interesting watching it from a from a fan's perspective and getting a full view of the pitch and just seeing how they've been playing because I really haven't watched that much of Spurs. Um, I know they've been very good getting a lot of victories. Um, I know they took that heartbreaking loss against Chelsea earlier in the year in their first game at Wembley, but that's about the extent of my sort of Spurs watching knowledge. Um, I remember from this game also at about the 78th minute, last 10 minutes of the game, Deli Ali actually had a pretty good chance. Um, he, he was in the box and he managed to shrug off Phil Jones. And he literally just, he went for a volley and he just miskicked it slightly. And that went wide. And at that moment, I thought he was actually going to score and end up uh, breaking our hearts for the most part. Uh, Jose, again, pulled off another masterclass in this game. Um, bringing on Anthony Martial again off the bench. Again, I can see the value of having someone like Martial on the bench. Um, very, very pacey sort of winger-striker combination can finish. All he needs is one chance. And he's that's something that he's got over Rashford is his clinicalness, his, um, his, his eye for the goal, really. I mean, his ability to just give a goalkeeper the eyes and just slot it in the corner. And that's exactly what he did. Um, De Gea played a played a goal kick, and then Lukaku just headed the ball back. Um, uh, Martial managed to run onto it, getting past Eric Dyer. And then, uh, yeah, he did exactly what I just said. He he dribbled up to Lloris, gave him the eyes, and slotted it in the corner, a very Martial-esque finish. I, I think um, that's something he definitely developed at Monaco. I think for the most part, from what I can remember, Martial was deployed as a striker playing against playing with the likes of Falcao who as many of you know used to play for United so I think playing playing with a more experienced striker I think he definitely learned that at a younger age that sort of uh duel you have to have with a keeper when you're going one-on-one with them so yeah this game finished one nothing very late goal from Martial uh yeah a, a goal's a goal you know a win's a win so I was definitely happy with those three points regardless of Kane played or not it's three points against Tottenham and that's not something that a lot of teams can say they have, you know. Um, very disciplined side, and I think uh, the fact that they did play so well and it was such a tight game even without Kane, I think it left a lot of people thinking of, oh, well, what if Kane did actually end up playing in that game and uh, what sort of impact would he have? But regardless, that was a huge three points, and to have it at home and to have Martial score right at the end, it was very reminiscent of uh, the Fergie days and those sort of last-minute Fergie time goals, so. That was something great, and I really enjoyed that game. Uh, I always enjoy seeing Martial score because it just... I think over the past couple of years, he's he's been really good. It's just um, his confidence. He needs to realize the uh, potential player that he could be and how good he actually is. Uh, because only at, I think he's 20 or 21, I mean, he could 
if he stays at United, like he could become a ball and door winner in the future. You know, he just I think he just needs a coach like Mourinho to bring that out of him. And yes, I know Mourinho hasn't necessarily had the best track record with young players. I mean, he's let some great young players go, like the likes of uh, Lukaku, who's now playing for us, and also Kevin De Bruyne, who's now at um, who's now at Manchester City. So I, th- I think, yeah, coming off of this, I was definitely positive and love seeing Martial score again. So yeah, it was great. Now on to the next game, which again didn't didn't cover, but I'll, I'll cover it now. Um, we we're playing Chelsea, and this game for me is one of the biggest games for me. It, it probably is the biggest, just because of my personal um, dislike of Chelsea, just as a, as a club uh, in general. Um, I, I don't like Abramovich. Um, I, I don't like Conte after his displays last year off a 4-0 win, not giving Jose the respect that he necessarily deserved. Um, yeah, and just, I don't know. There's just something about them. And I don't really like the fact that, you know, um, a lot of fans were bloating online about how they won the league last year. Uh, even though, you know, asterisk next to it, you didn't exactly have to play any Champions League football. But, um, yeah, aside from that, this is a huge game. Uh, the rivalry between Conte and Mourinho is huge. The rivalry between Chelsea and Mourinho is huge. I mean, God, last year, um, they were chanting Judas to him coming, coming off the pitch, which I just thought was uh, pretty distasteful and just pretty uh, downright mean <laughs> to Jose like I understand uh you know he didn't exactly leave Chelsea with the the greatest uh greatest lasting memory I mean finishing 10th that's not great for anyone but I, I I think ultimately you can't solemnly point your finger at just the manager and the things that he was saying in the press I think you've also got to look at the players that year and what a lot of them were saying and a lot of them were doing I mean goddamn uh Hazard, one of the arguments I always have Hazard is that one season he went completely dark and I mean we didn't see anything from him and I know he didn't exactly have the best relationship with Mourinho but um, I mean yeah I, th- I think it's pretty it just shows um, some of the bottle of Chelsea fans to sort of boo their greatest coach somebody who brought them all that glory and I, I think they need to sort of Look, look at themselves and say, okay, we've we've got Conte now, you know, um, realize what Jose's actually done and move on, you know? Um, I think stuff like that, I, I don't know. Like, even when Moyes came back for us, like, we didn't necessarily boo him. I mean, yeah, there was a small uh, percentage of them that were booing him, but, I mean, for the most part, we were fairly uh, warm towards Moyes, and if anything, we should have shown the most anger and animosity towards him. But nonetheless, uh, back onto the actual football and not the media headlines. Um, so yeah, um, I think a thing that I've seen throughout this season going into these bigger games is that Jose seems to think that, um, you know, if I can scrape one point away from home against a top four side, you know, that's that's a fantastic result. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, maybe it is. Um, I think oftentimes, as shown in my Liverpool review, uh it leads to a lot of fans being angry because fans ultimately want to see their team go for games and uh, try to beat these bigger teams because it's just the rivalry between them. I think um, I think every fan wants to see their specific team go out there and give 100% and try and batter teams 5 or 6-0. Like I, I, I think that's something ingrained in the 
uh, modern football fan. I think I think a football fan doesn't say to themselves, "Oh, I want to see uh, my team go." I don't know Manchester United go to Stamford Bridge and get a nil-nil result. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think anyone goes in with that mindset, and I hope Mourinho doesn't go into that mindset with, "Hey, if I can, you know, grind out a clean sheet and." give a professional performance, you know, it's, it's a good result. And, and Hey, maybe near the end of the season, if we have a big game against city and we're in the lead by four points, uh, maybe a nil nil is acceptable. But I think this early in the season and considering that we wanted to make a statement and we were coming off a high, um, against Spurs, I think, uh, we definitely had every right to be confident going into this game, but thus, uh, the United boys, they, they looked they looked good in the first 15 minutes, lively, attacking, going at Chelsea, making a few chances. They looked really good. Um, and then just as the game sort of went on, it just seemed like we were kind of flat and we didn't really care that much for the game and we were just there purely to execute a game plan, which is extremely frustrating. And I think uh, knowing my sort of... Uh, feelings towards this rivalry, it was extremely frustrating for me. I know I was sitting there for, for you know, the first half just with head and ha- with hands in my head and just saying, why are we doing this, you know? And you have that hope of, oh, your team might come out in the second half and uh, play more attacking and actually go for it. Because I think that was something that was ingrained in, like, Ferguson's teams. And, yes, it was a different era and stuff like that, but I think – I think players knew that if they went into a dressing room playing not at 100%, I think they knew that they were going to get like a, you know, a good shouting at uh, from from Sir Alex. And I, I think even though Mourinho does have that in him, I don't think he shows it that much. You know, he'll, he'll say, oh, my players didn't play that well. But I don't think there's that same fear connotation that's in the, that was in the minds of players when they were playing for Fergie. And I think if that's something that Jose can develop, I think that'd be great, um, personally. So, yeah, so speaking of coming out in the second half, uh, we didn't, um, flat out. Um, Chelsea started the second half uh, as they did the first half, you know, controlling possession. Uh, Conte was a nuisance, as he always is. Um, after this game, I was pretty much convinced that he's that he's the best midfielder in the Prem. Um, I think what he can do from a defensive standpoint and from a purely creative standpoint in terms of his passing and uh, just his ability to cover ground, I think he's one of the best uh, defensive-minded midfielders in the Premier League. And I think for his size as well, I think that's something else you've got to play into effect. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Conte, I, I definitely opened my eyes to Conte uh, in this game, and I definitely saw the, the value that Chelsea fans are always uh, preaching on him, so yeah, I, I never really bought him as a player. So seeing him play this well, I mean, it was frustrating for me, but in hindsight, I can, you know, see the value in someone like him. But yeah, going on to uh, Chelsea's only goal of the game, of course, it had to be Morata. It, it just had to be. Um, you know, he United wanted him in the summer. We didn't end up getting him. We got Lukaku. We got their number one signing. They got our number one signing. And, yeah, this was purely just a defensive lax from, uh, I think it was Phil Jones. Um, yeah, he just he just didn't pick him up. Uh, Morata ran in the box, uh, got up there, and headed the ball into the net. And, I mean, this header was an absolute, like, thing of beauty. It was a uh, top corner, and it was just marvelous. Um, 
I'm going to go on the record here and say that Morata is probably the best header of the ball, like within like probably like 10 yards or five yards uh, in the Premier League. Just like from what he's done in this for in these first like 10 or 15 games, like he's an absolute monster in the air and he's not even like a big imposing striker. But like what he can do, like his finishing ability with his head is remarkable. Like, it actually is. And I don't think, like, he's necessarily the most talented forward um, with the ball at his feet. But, like, just, uh, that header was just, it, it was a it was just great header. And the cross from Aspilicueta, um was also really good. So I had to give him credit there. Sorry, guys, I'm kind of preaching on Chelsea here. I know this is the United podcast, but uh, those thoughts I felt like I should just share. Yeah, but after this game, I was extremely frustrated and uh, just annoyed because, you know, no one likes to see their team get absolutely played off the park like that. Um, Yeah, so I think definitely that left a bad taste in a lot of United fans' uh, mouths. And I think Mourinho definitely had some stuff to answer to. I think the defensive mindset that we had in that game was just horrific and then on top of that, going off to a two-week international break, I think those thoughts were going to be stuck in our heads for weeks. I know they were for me, at, at least. Um, so, yeah. So, going from that sort of negative <laughs> uh, result, uh, we then had Newcastle uh, this week. And, yeah, going into this game, I was expecting United to fully respond and uh, show that, you know, they weren't affected by um, the Chelsea result. Um, over the international break, we saw Romelu Lukaku actually break uh, Belgium's all-time scoring record, which I think was something like 28 or 29. I could I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, he, he broke it, and I think that was good for him. Uh, confidence-wise, I think that definitely put a little bit of pep in his step. Um, yeah, so seeing that just from a United's point of view, it's, it, it's something to put in our cap that we have that. And, I mean, yeah, it's a... It's an accomplishment. Now, going into this game, uh, the first thing that got me really excited was um, the lineup itself. So we had De Gea in goal, uh, Young at left back, Smalling at center back. Victor Lindelof surprisingly got the start here. I don't know whether Baye picked up an injury. Um, I know Jones did on international duty with England. But, uh, yeah, we, we played Lindelof here. Um I didn't see anything necessarily wrong with it. Like I, I like Lindelof. He's, he's a young guy, and I think if we can treat him with the same sort of manner that we did with an Eric Bailly, I think he could definitely build a nice little partnership there for the next like two or three years with Bailly. Um, I think we just need to give him time. Um, we then had Valencia right back, Matic at center mid, and then a returning Paul Pogba, which... Just seeing Pogba on that starting 11 sheet was massive because I think what he offers us is completely different than any other center mid offers us in the start in in the United team in general. I think for me, I see Pogba as almost like a number 10. I, I don't I don't see him as a holding midfielder or as like a traditional midfielder, like a like a like the likes of a Skulls or something like that. What he offers from a creative standpoint and from a distribution standpoint is incredible and I think also he 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 walks around with that certain swagger which I think kind of goes um which spreads around the rest of the team so yeah seeing Pogba back in that lineup after 
so many after I think it was a month of being injured I think that was definitely like a like fresh air for us um you know seeing the likes of Herrera who's who's been decent um he's in, still in contract talks I wish he would just sign the contract at this point because it's just getting annoying now with all these rumors about Atletico Madrid coming after him and Barcelona coming after him I would rather he just commit his future but whatever that's that's his wishes and that's what he wants to do and I think until he settles down and chooses what he wants to do, I don't think he'll return to the player that he was last season for us, at least. Um, yeah, but going on to the rest of the lineup, we had Mato, which was, again, really surprising because uh, there's no Mkhitaryan in this game. And Mkhitaryan, as I've been saying in some of the previous podcasts, I'm really not impressing. Uh, he practically wasn't even playing against Chelsea. Uh, he was getting muscled off the ball barely getting any touches, uh, giving us silly turnovers. So, yeah, he was he was actually completely dropped from this team. He didn't even make the bench, which I thought was a statement by Jose saying, like, I expect the highest quality performers. Um, and if I don't get that, you're going to get dropped. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I love seeing that. Um, I like Mkhitaryan, but, like, at the end of the day, if you're going to play, you know, uh, terrible for two or three games in a row I think it's time for you to sit down and look at yourself and stop saying that oh the reason why I'm slightly off form is because Pogba's not playing with me like no you shouldn't be a player that relies on somebody else being in the team in order to dictate your success um so yeah I I think that was a big move from Jose and I was definitely so excited with this lineup, and I think Jose did this for a very purposeful reason. I think he was almost saying, like, this is the lineup that a lot of people have been uh, preaching for, you know, playing Martial and Rashford in the same team, uh, playing Pogba and Matic, uh, you know. I think he then had a game plan, and he was saying, right, it's, it's down to the players now. I've given everybody the lineup that they've been wanting and if they don't perform it's down to them and it's not down to me for not believing in the fans or anything like that it's purely down to the players at this point so yeah in the first the first sort of 10 minutes of the game uh we saw a lot of uh united uh, a lot of newcastle actually pressing uh using the wings and you know the likes of young he sort of looked a bit a bit off his game in the first 10 minutes uh getting struggled off the ball and things like that so uh, that definitely wasn't too great, but, you know, I expected that from Newcastle. It was nil-nil, you know, they could have gone after it and grabbed an early goal, so, yeah. And uh, speaking of early goals, they actually managed to get one uh, off a pretty nice counterattack. Um, they just, they brought the ball off, off a through ball, and then it was four on two. Um, Lindelof playing center back and uh, Jones there, and uh ball got squared in the middle, and Lindelof slipped. When I saw Lindelof slip, I just I I could see the Twitter feed just exploding with uh, Lindelof out. Oh, what a waste of money! Oh, like why did you ever buy this guy? Like why can't we just play Bay? Like I I just saw the internet explode at that moment. Um, you know, pretty pretty um, you know, standard slip. You know, nothing to the extent of John Terry. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty, uh, bad slip and, uh, Gail just tapped the ball into the corner, uh, very classy finish. And yeah, at that point, my, my, uh, heart sunk a little, 
uh, you know, I was definitely upset about that. And I was upset that it was mostly down to an error from Lindelof. Um, keep in mind also, we were four on two. Uh, Pogba and Matic did not get back for this counterattack. And and yes, we can, you know, say like, oh, well, they can't, you know, cover 70 yards in a matter of 30 seconds. But, you know, um, that's sort of, again, that's the point I always bring up to people who were saying Lindelof, why he's not a great center back. Um, so, yeah, I think the fact that also they didn't track back, I think that had a huge impact because uh, Newcastle had about two or three players in the box who probably could have been marked up if they would have tracked back. So I think uh, that's something to definitely keep in mind. So that was in the 14th minute, and uh, from this moment forward, I thought, okay, this is just another United home result with the away team just parking the bus and, yeah, not really... Um, really creating anything just trying to grind out a one uh one no victory i think that goal made it even worse because this counterattack was following a uh, big lukaku chance where valencia crossed the ball in and uh lukaku skied it yes arguably off a deflection from the defender but still he should really be finishing that near post so i think yeah also that left a pretty sour taste in my mouth you know um and, you know, it's it's just that same story from Lukaku in the past couple of games, you know, just not being able to really finish. Um, and, again, those sort of murmurs of, oh, Lukaku, why did we ever, like, buy you as a striker? We should have got Morata from the last game. And, yeah, so I could, again, just see the lack of support going for Lukaku after that miss. So, so yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so after that goal, I think uh, if you ever want to see an example of like the air getting sucked out of a team, I think it was that moment for United. Um, the build-up play was honestly sloppy. We were just hoofing the ball up front, uh, trying to look for the slightest uh, deflection or something to give us some room and uh, just try to create something. I know Martial and Rashford had a couple runs at it, but nothing really coming of it. Um, you know, the Newcastle fans in the corner obviously loving it, jeering all our players and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. And then Newcastle actually had another chance uh, with uh, Jacob Murphy, their new signing from uh, Norwich. And he managed to get past Young, and then he shot the ball across the face of goal, which De Gea dived for, but he was nowhere near it, and it just skimmed past the post. And when I saw that ball hit from Murphy, I honestly thought, oh no, they're going to go 2-0 up here. Because like, it, it's just it's just a standard-looking goal. You know, De Gea near post, um, and the player just hits it across goal, and it slowly rolls into the bottom corner. So I think to see that in this, I was like, oh, okay. Um, okay, that was too close, and now I think the team needs to wake up. And I think that's exactly what happened for United. Um we then had another chance with Lukaku with uh, Herrera whipping in a ball. Uh, Lukaku managing to shrug off the center back, but however, Lukaku hit it over the bar. And again, if you would have seen me, I fell out of my chair when he missed this because th that was literally like the embodiment of every goal that he pretty much scored for Everton last year was a through ball over the top and him getting his head onto the end of it and scoring. Um, again, saw the Twitter storm saw everything disappointing because you should be finishing from that kind of range and especially of someone of Lukaku's caliber I think it's 
pretty unacceptable to be missing from that kind of angle. So, so yeah, um, we then saw after this missed header from Lukaku, the team started to pop up a little bit. You know, Pogba was getting a little bit more of the ball, looking for those open spaces. Uh, we saw Pogba pick up the ball on the edge of the box. He tried to square it in for only for it to be, uh, you know, deflected by the right back, and then it came back to him. He sort of uh, shimmied to the side twice. I think he did a sort of uh, ball roll twice, and then just beautifully like effortlessly lofted this ball to the back post and none other than not Marilyn Fellaini, but Martial was at the back post and he climbed over this left back and headed it in. And at that moment, I was like, okay, now we've got this game. Like that was all we needed. It was that spark. That was the, the goal that I think sort of started it all. Um, I know it's cliche. It's first goal for us. Of course it starts it all, but I think that goal was a turning point, and I think that goal, more than anything, showed what we had been missing with Pogba. Somebody who can literally make a chance out of pretty much nothing. He was he was tightly marked, and he just effortlessly chipped this ball to the back post, out of the stretch of the goalkeeper, and Martial headed it in. And again, Martial scores. Jose, after this game, if you don't start Martial every game, I don't know what's wrong with you. Because the guy's a gem. Like, it, it's like the song says, um, Tony Marshall scores again. Like, he just keeps scoring, and it's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, following this, uh, you know, you could definitely see the tempo rising from the uh, fans and also from the team. You know, they were getting forward more, playing more attacking balls. Um, Newcastle just sort of rearing by the skin of their teeth. Uh just trying to hold on until halftime with a one-all result. You could see Rafa on the sideline just chomping at his nails, hoping and praying that we didn't end up scoring. But, you know, um, the unlikeliest of goal scorers, Chris Smalling, ended up getting himself a goal. Again, another uh, whipped ball from outside the box, and Smalling climbs over the center back to get a, a pretty easy goal. Uh, just back post you know, headed the ball down. The goalkeeper probably should have done better with it. He had it covered for the most part, but yeah. So Chris Smalling scored. Haven't seen him score in what feels like, I don't know, like 20 years. Um, so yeah, Chris Smalling with the, the goal. Don't know why he was that forward, but hey, uh, it's, it's a goal. So that's all that matters. And again, uh, visions of Fergie with us getting those late goals before halftime, sucking the energy out of the away side and um, yeah, it just, that was it. I, I could see us scoring about six goals after that smalling goal went in. And j just because of how the team was playing and who we had at our disposal. Like, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, so yeah, to see that was definitely just a confidence booster, and it just felt unbelievable with smalling scoring, and I never thought that I would feel that way with Chris Smalling scoring, but it did. Um... And I think, again, it just shows the resilience of the side, the fact that they went down 1-0 fairly early, off an international break, but they fought back, and they they ended up going into the half 2-1 up instead of being 1-0 down, which I think is a huge uh, round of applause for the players and for them to get that motivation to say, come on, like we shouldn't be losing this game. So yeah, going into the second half, confidence all-time high. And we actually saw um, probably one of the better goals that United scored this year. I, I would argue the best goal that United scored this year. 
Um, we had a counterattack, which was started by Juan Mata. He played the ball throughout wide to Lukaku. And again, I was screaming at Lukaku saying, why are you on the wing? You should be playing as a forward straight down the middle. But no, he, he you know, he decided to go wide. Um, don't know why. Maybe it's something Jose's telling him because it's something I keep seeing. And I don't know why you would have a tank of a player out wide. But hey, you know, it's United. So expect the unexpected, folks. Um, yeah, so off that ramble. Um, Lukaku picks up the ball, you know, uh, does a couple stopovers, and then whips the ball into Rashford, who, if you looked at the replay of this goal, this kid actually managed to run probably 50 yards from the time that Mata played the through ball. He sprinted half of the field practically to catch up to this ball, right? So he, he, he manages to keep himself on side, even though he's running probably like a rapid speed. He, he manages to keep himself on side and then shows the absolute class that I think Rashford possesses. Instead of trying to, you know, just head it into the corner and go for the goal, no, he sees Pogba running in, you know, running behind him and beautifully just nods this ball to the side. Elliot doesn't know what to do. He's he's going to the right trying to save this supposed shot that Rashford's taking. And Pogba runs in and just taps it in. And it was honestly, it was such a beautiful goal. Because the buildup of it and just the little header from Rashford was unbelievable. Like, that header, oh my lord. Like, it, it was, it was like... The daintiest little header ever, and it was something that, like, not a lot of people would look at and be like, whoa, what a play, like, that's such a, like, technical masterclass, like, no, but that header just, it it destroyed Rob Elliott, and I think, honestly, after that, he should have just rolled up into a ball and just started crying, because, oh my, that Pogba goal, and also, to see him score was unbelievable, Um, just to prove how great of a player he is. And yeah, even though the finish wasn't really, you know, the most remarkable finish in the world, I think it showed tremendous awareness by Paul Pogba to get into that position and, you know, put the ball in. So, yeah, it was just unbelievable. Um, Okay, what's my next talking point? Oh, yes. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say, and I'm really sorry about this, um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was on the bench. Zlatan isn't human. I, I'm sorry, but when he says I'm a lion, I, I actually believe it. Like, Zlatan's actually just, he's unbelievable. He he tore, like, half the ligaments in his knee last season against Celta Vigo. And people were saying, oh, no, like, medical experts saying, oh, no, he's going to be back in, like, a year. You know, December. You know, and this man's playing on the bench in early November. Like, no. That was, like, seven months after the injury or something ridiculous. Like, and at 36 as well, to to get back into playing shape, even running shape, is unbelievable for someone like him. So, yeah, we, we saw him um, go on to um, come on to the field at about the 70th minute, which he actually got a great ovation from the fans, and I think rightfully he deserved that. Martial came off. Uh, yeah, it was a good shift from him. So yeah, we saw Zlatan come on, now wearing the number 10, which I think is quite appropriate. Um, and he actually said some pretty like funny uh, 
funny comments in the press about him actually wearing the number 10. He said, like, oh, yeah, the, the number 10 jersey, like, symbolizes, like, leadership and strength and all this kind of stuff. And I was just sitting there thinking, oh, that's, like, the most Zlatan thing to possibly say. But, yeah, it was great seeing him. I think he adds, again, another layer to the intimidation factor that is Man United. Um, just looking at the amount of chances he created and the beautiful passes he was playing, I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic has a good argument to be playing as our number 10 this year. Uh, like, honestly, no, because you look at what we were doing last year, playing, like, Fellaini and bringing him in in the last 10 minutes and playing him as a number 10. Like, Zlatan... I am going to come to the case that Zlatan cannot play as, like, an out-and-out forward anymore. Like, even though he's Zlatan, and he's great, and he's unbelievable, at his age, I think if we play him as a striker, I think it slows down the tempo of the game completely. However, if I think we play Rashford and Lukaku up top, and then play Ibra in behind, that's remarkable. Like, the amount of chances he would create, as well as just the Zlatan moments of him just saying, all right, I'm going to shoot from 50 yards and end up scoring because he's Zlatan, um, would just be remarkable. Like, I think he should. And then also, you play into the fact that he also can play in Champions League games. Like, now we don't have to worry about what if Lukaku gets injured. Because we have Zlatan, who's, who's arguably... Like, he scored, what, 20 goals last year? Like, uh, the the attacking options for us are just, they're remarkable. And, like, you can play somebody like a Tony Marshall at striker. So, like, now it's that huge, like, burden of, like, no, Lukaku, don't get injured. Like, no, we can't play. Rashford is an out-and-out striker at 20 years old. No. Now that's Gomez Latan, and it's unbelievable, honestly. Okay, so going back to the actual game... And my excitement of Zlatan being in the game and just my fanboying of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, we actually saw Lukaku manage to score in possibly the most Lukaku way of scoring ever. With Mata trying to play one of those little like intricate balls. Similar to one... Did you remember? Um, I think it was... It might have been... Yeah, it was last year. Um, last year we had a home game against Leicester. And there was that beautiful little like build-up play with Mata and Lingard. So he, he kind of just tries to do these little dinks and then hopes that the other player will flick it onto him so he can shoot it from outside the box. So yeah, so in short, he, he tried to do that. And the ball sort of deflected up. The Newcastle defender lunged in to try and take the ball. And then Lukaku was all by himself looking around as if to say, why am I still onside? He just did a little fake shot. The keeper barely moved. So he said, I'm Lukaku. I'm just going to blast this. And he blasted it into the roof of the net for 4-1. Put his hands out in a very Zlatan-esque style. Not nearly as good. Um, but yeah, to see him score was also great. Because he needs that confidence. And he didn't score against Spurs. And he didn't score against Chelsea. So to see him score was unbelievable. And yeah, so after this game, it leads me to question, would I rather have seen United thump Newcastle 6-0, or would I rather have seen um, them win 4-1 like they did this week? Now, the 4-1, the yes, we didn't keep the clean sheet, which is always like a negative. 
and I think for De Gea, that's going to be the thing that sort of plays in his mind that, oh, you know, I didn't keep the clean sheet. But I think, I think this for, I would rather, to be honest, see a 4 1 res- or a 2 1 result every week with that sort of resiliency and fight every week than rather than thumping teams 7 or 8 0, like, uh, like City is. Because we haven't seen City this year truly like, come under fire and have to like battle back you know we haven't seen the the bottle of those players and whether they can adapt to being one nil down and being two nil down but i think we saw today that the united players can respond and they can act in an according manner um and i think that's something that's invaluable that's something they can look to and remember um like even though it's against newcastle and i'm not going to say like this tells us that we're going to win the league this year because it looks like city's just running away with this league um i think it definitely said something the rest of the league i think it said that we're not gonna just put our heads down going one nil down we're gonna fight back um and yes ironically we didn't show that fight back against huddersfield but that doesn't matter um it's a loss we moved on it's fine but i think that resiliency shown by those players was remarkable and i commend all of them because it showed that united spirit that I think we were we were lacking for most of the year. Um, you look at the Liverpool game. We showed no like fight or passion or uh, momentum or anything. We didn't show any sort of any sort of homages to that former United side. I think today was full of them. I think um, we showed the class that our teams had in the past. Uh, the fear factor that Old Trafford now has the resiliency of that never say die attitude um i think it just showed um it showed that we are a team on the rise and we're not just some team that any team can go to and try and grind out a result i think we have every right to have teams feeling very fearful especially with Zlatan coming back and Pogba i think it just shows another layer and i think we can definitely give City a run for their money because i don't think they've been really tested this year. They won against Chelsea, but Morata went out in the 25th minute, and they've won against Arsenal, but honestly, Arsenal are like a, are like the Titanic at this point. Like They're just going to keep sinking as long as Wenger's there. So I think as much as the scoreline tells us, oh yes, we were dominant and we're a great side, I think the resiliency and the fight of those players is something that you need to look at in a more deeper context. And I think it says a lot about this team and a lot about the spirit of those players. So yeah, ending on that note, guys, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I tried to make it a little bit longer than the other ones, considering I'd been slipping up with some of the uploads. But yeah, I hope you guys... um, enjoyed this episode of the podcast i would love to hear your feedback on it possibly new uh new topics to talk about you know stuff like that so hopefully next week uh i think we play brighton yeah next week we play brighton um i'll come back with a review again um yeah i i promise i'm gonna be more consistent it's just work um but yeah so if you guys could i don't know um, just tell me in the review section on iTunes, uh, things to work on or things to start talking about more, then I would love that. Like, I would love to talk more about the youth development and stuff like that, because that's what I'm passionate about. Uh, I don't know, lists of my favorite United players, uh, list of my least favorite United players. I don't know. Um, but yeah, but I, I just really need that feedback. So 
yeah, guys, again, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I'll be back with you guys next week. And, yeah, just have a great week. And, uh, yeah, just keep on following United. Come on, let's go.